2: Welcome back to part two of The Moon Underwater. I am John Robbins, the landlord. Robin Allender is my trusty regular steed. And this week, we're delighted to say we have Oliver Payton joining us, star of Screen and Bar, <laughs> restaurateur, pub innovator, and judge on Great British Menu, of course. But before we get back into Oliver's Dream Pub, we must get the
3: answers to our quiz, Robin. Thanks, John. Yes, yeah, so... This week I gave you quotations from famous chefs. Uh, they could be from books or TV shows, and you have to tell me who the chef is. So the first one was: "There are people who claim to be instinctive cooks who never follow recipes or weigh anything at all. All I can say is they're not very fussy about what they eat." For me, cooking is an exact art and not some casual game. Oliver, who, who did you think said that? No idea. No idea. <laughs> who is it? John, do you have an? Do you have an idea?
2: Well, I, could it be our, our very own, well we say our very own, could it be Prue-Leaf?
3: No, it's not Prue-Leaf, but I I thought I sort hmm, of, it's Delia. Is it? It's I Delia thought Smith. Delia was
2: mayonnaise.
3: Mm, yes, yeah, right. Yeah, Delia for mayonnaise. Yeah, Delia for mayonnaise. Which brings us on to mayonnaise. Who said, now you mustn't be frightened of mayonnaise? I haven't got a clue. No ideas? It was Jennifer Patterson, a.k.a. one of the two fat ladies. Not Nigella <laughs> No, it wasn't Nigel. <laughs> Nigel is the third one. Uh, d- did you think my impression was Nigella? I thought that was the only one where the impression was, all of your impressions sound like very elderly ladies. <laughs> my third one was actually the only good impression, I think. I can only think of one or two things that are sexier in the mouth than crisp, flaky pastry and hot, flowing cheese, and one of those is an oyster. That was a good impression. Any ideas? Is that Nigella? You've got the first two syllables.
2: Oh, is it Nigel Slater?
3: Yeah, Nigel Slater, yeah. Oh, my God, he would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I do you know. But, yeah, there we go. It was a hard quiz, looking back, uh, with some very... It was a very r- hard quiz, but it was a fun one. It was a fun one with some very ropey impressions. Yeah, but but a lot of fun, and... Yes, now you mustn't be frightened of mayonnaise this is something to, to live by, I think, words to live by. But um...
2: Well, we return to Oliver Payton's dream pub, and it's a pub that welcomes absolutely everyone. It's got a vibrant mix of clientele, and it also features Meantime Pale Ale, Colonel Pale Ale on draft, a Carnass red wine... And a uh, Chondrio white, which should be drunk early, as I've always said um,
3: about Chondrio white wine.
4: That, yes, exactly. Not, air, not Not five o'clock in the evening. I didn't mean the time of the day.
2: Oh, right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and not when you're a young person as well. You don't <laughs> like, drink it when you're seven. You know, exactly. I think, yeah.
2: But where are you? What What's your sort of relationship with spirits? Because there's certainly not a pre-dinner necessarily uh, affair. Are you a spirit fan? Because you've got two choices for your pub.
4: Well, I used to import Absolute Vodka. I've also just launched a range of cocktails, so that's another story. But the um, Hey, well, we can give them a plug. What's the name of the range of cocktails? Unknown
2: Pleasures. Unknown mm, Pleasures. Nice. All lovely.
4: Joy Division.
3: Yeah, awesome.
4: I have a love of vodka, uh, and I have a love of the martini. And I used to go with my friends to Duke's Hotel For many, many, many years, because it was the only place where you could get a great martini in London. Obviously, there are many more places now the Comic Bar, Brown's Hotel, loads of places are doing super high quality. But Duke's Hotel, three of those martinis, you were crawling out the door. There was no way you were walking out the door, you know. And I think when you have a good vodka drink, there's just nothing like it in the world for me. I mean, because I mean, I think if you're talking about you know just drinking spirits on their own like tequila or mezcal or stuff like that, it's a different story. But a good vodkatini, you know, it's just. I mean, I just it's sort of the pinnacle of of drinking for me because it is so simple. It's not really, if you know what I mean.
3: What's the secret to a really good martini? Then do you think? Oh my God, that's. I
4: mean, I mean, have you got seven or eight hours? Because because <laughs> I argue with this all the time. I people, you know. Some people like it on the rocks, and, and bartenders say, now it's fine to have it on rocks. I just don't like it on the rocks. Simple as that. I like it from a freezer, frozen glass, little spray of Nulipro, twist of lemon, Bob's your uncle, I just think. But it's that, the amount of, you know, it's just the right amount of Nulipro, the right little twist of lemon on it, just, you know. I mean, it's it's because it's so simple. That's why I go back... You know, lots of people can do lots of drinks with lots of things in it. Lots of chefs can do lots of dishes with lots of food, lots of different ingredients on the plate. The great things are the simple things, purest things. And so for me, a vodka martini is just, it's just one of the purest drinks. It's just...
2: It's just so do you want to because we can allow you a vodka martini as one of your spirits, but do you want to specify which would be your ideal vodka to have in it? Because I that's something I didn't realise about vodka, and I think we're we're probably quite undereducated about vodka in this country, is that there are different vodkas for different drinks, whereas I just sort sort of assumed it all just like tasted really strong and like vodka. But there are some that are suited to cocktails, some that are suited to having on their own what what would be the your dream vodka for a, marti- a martini
4: okay so the the thing about vodka is some vodkas are better drank just on their own because they tend to have more flavor in them so what what you don't want with the martini is a vodka which is got you know which is too rough or has got too much to say about itself you know I a a good vodka is a, is a finely balanced thing with just enough flavor that it can be used for cocktails so I still like Absolute. I, st- I like I like Absolute Ilex. I like Belvedere. I like Black Cow. I don't I don't necessarily stick to one, and it'll depend on my mood, but I probably stick to Absolute or Belvedere in a martini because they're really suitable for martinis, if you know what I mean. Very good, very good. And what would be your second spirit? i got to say tequila because I just have this love of tequila, you know, I think if you go into a good bar in America and it's a tequila bar and you are inclined to do a bit of a tasting and you can, uh, you've got the uh, capacity to do so and it's not at the end of the night. You know, there's some wonderful flavors coming out of tequila now. It's a much broader sort of church. It's really good for sipping and I quite like Altos. Funnily enough, even though it's a bit of a mass-produced thing, I like that Casa Amigo. A lot of people are quite disdainful of it, but I think it's quite an easy sipping tequila. I like Altos. I like lots of them. You know, uh, yeah, love tequila. Love a margarita. But again, going back to you know my pub would be. I think you know I expect to go into a pub and I expect the back bar to just sparkle. You know, it's got it's like a temple and and what you want is you want people behind the bar that are always going to have something in there that they're going to try and entice you with it's not just about having you know your 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 drinks on the speed speed rail or stuff like that you know it's a bit of a treasure trove and and i quite like that idea of just going in it's great to have your regular drink but it's also good to have a few surprises in there as well and i think one of the disappointments for me in many pubs is that lack of creativity behind the bar, you know, where you can just try something new. There's, oh, there's this whiskey, there's this tequila, there's this vodka, just, you know, because it feels to me like that's what you should be doing in a pub. You should be going, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. You know, it's a bit like going into to buy a car or something. You know, you're selling to people, aren't you? But you're also showing passion and love and taking care of people, if you know what I mean, because it should be, there should always be intrigue in a, in a pub. you know you should always think you know you should always think mm, what's around the corner, who's around the corner, who's in that booth? you know one of the things about you know old, uh, one of the things about old-fashioned pubs is you know you didn't always know who's in the snug. You know what I mean? It's like uh, they're, in this, they're in the saloon bar or they're in the bland. that sort of whole revealing. I, I like the way pubs reveal themselves. And- oh,
2: Oliver, you are speaking our language with, without <laughs> any prompting.
4: <laughs>
2: this is very
3: key. Revealing is very important. Yeah. John, well, John, I mean, John has mentioned this many, many times. But you, the way a, a pub kind of reveals itself as you're walking down a street, you turn a corner, you see it in the kind of dusk it's all part of the excitement and the journey.
2: (laughs) But you're right, it should also reveal its interiors and its drinks and its clientele. It should sort of unfold as you walk through it. Such a such a key element
4: absolutely 100 percent. we're going to open a pub together soon
2: oh i would i well i think you'd eventually have to sack me for (laughs) with people coming in saying oh i want to try all these
3: drinks sorry they're gone i've got to say this is quite hard to do during dry january just talking about how great (laughs) pubs are and uh yeah oh my gosh anyway
4: (laughs) what's dry january you're You you know, you need to stop that dry January business and and you can just say you've stopped because of COVID, you're out there supporting your local pub and that you're going to do it next year.
2: One part of The Moon Underwater that always reveals itself is the library, and that's where the lovely Robin adds a different publy tome
3: each week. So, Robin, what have you got for us today? Ah, uh, thanks, John. Yes, each week I add a, a new book into the pub library, and this week I've gone for one which made an appearance on Great British Menu because there was a series a while back about children's literature, and one of the books that was used for quite a few dishes as the inspiration was Fantastic Mr. Fox. And there is just a brilliant bit in here which I'll read, which is where the foxes are digging through to get to the farmer's supplies, and they dig into Farmer Bean's cider supply. Um, So I'll just read out a couple of pages from Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox. The smallest fox leaped high in the air... "'Oh, Dad,' he cried out, "'look what we found. It's cider!' "'Exactly,' said Mr. Fox. "'Tremendous!' shouted Badger. "'Bean's secret cider cellar,' said Mr. Fox. "'But go carefully, my dears. Don't make a noise. "'This cellar is right underneath the farmhouse itself.' "'Cider,' said Badger, "'is especially good for badgers. "'We take it as medicine, one large glass three times a day with meals, "'and another at bedtime.' "'It will make the feast into a banquet,' said Mr. Fox." While they were talking, the smallest fox had sneaked a jar off the shelf and had taken a gulp. "'Wow!' he gasped. "'Wowee! You must understand, this was not the ordinary weak fizzy cider one buys in a store. It was the real stuff, a home-brewed fiery liquor that burned in your throat and boiled in your stomach. "Ah!" gasped the smallest fox. "'This is some cider.' "'That's quite enough of that,' said Mr Fox, grabbing the jar and putting it to his own lips." He took a tremendous gulp. It's miraculous, he whispered, fighting for breath. It's fabulous. It's beautiful. It's my turn, said Badger, taking the jar and tilting his head well back. The cider gurgled and bubbled down his throat. It's it's like melted gold, he gasped. Oh Foxy, it's like drinking sunbeams and rainbows. So <laughs> great. Oh, I remember
2: b- <laughs> that so vividly. Also, I think cider is one of the few drinks that as a kid ends up tasting like you imagined it would taste right whereas like whiskey or wine yeah. you're sort of so excited to, to to taste
3: it and then you're like what on earth have you been going on this is disgusting whereas cider was like oh but i did have the I, the reason i chose it was well because it was on great british menu but also i tried that inches cider the other day and you know, sunbeams and rainbows. It really is absolutely oh, yeah, stuff. delicious stuff. But quite, just hilarious that that's a kid's book, and they're going on about how great Slider <laughs> is. It was a different time, <laughs> different time. But that, that that that'd be
4: good to have in the uh, framed in the loo. Yeah, yes. exactly. So
2: not only do we have a library here, we also have a jukebox. And Oliver, you've already made reference to an awful lot of musical influence in your life. So tell us a bit about uh, the name of your cocktail company and also what selection, what album you would want on your dream pub jukebox.
4: Okay, so on my cocktails, which uh, will be coming to somewhere near you soon, uh, called Unknown Pleasures, because the Joy Division album was a seminal album in my life. And I just... I don't know. I just wanted something that had some sort of musical reference. I've always loved music, uh, so I got a Bloody Mary, espresso martini with the widget in the can, so you get ahead. Oh, nice! And they're all they're all eight percent, seven or eight percent alcohol, so they're just about the right level. So you just don't get hammered, but you've got enough enough going on there. Got a peach iced tea, and a might call it English Garden, which is gin, apple, cucumber, mint, and we might. Nice things. So I've, been, I've, been, I've worked on them, you know, for about two and a half years to get the recipes right. So I'm really excited about them because it was just something I wanted to do because I was just sick and tired of seeing crap gin and tonics on trains and thinking you must be able to get something decent in a can. So that's why I started a journey on it. So when you're coming up with a recipe for, say, something like a Bloody Mary, which is very particular to each individual this is gonna take all night again because cause
2: I'll tell you,
1: <laughs>
4: we, we have handmade the hot sauce to go into the Bloody Mary. We have oh. handmade it. Yeah. This is not this is not go after some ingredient supplier. This is we we couldn't find this is how obsessed I am with stuff. <laughs> this is unhealthy. Um you know, we tried we tried to use ingredients that you know we found uh, uh, from from suppliers we couldn't so we basically started with a habanero uh, sauce and and made it into the into our mix for our Bloody Mary, and we supply that directly to the manufacturer. So it's it's we we it's just it's it's a labor of love. Trust me on this, because I believe you can put a good Bloody Mary in a can. I'm going to send you some. All right? So oh, I would. To- I'm my
3: mouth is watering. This is ridiculous. I really, really want to try that Bloody Mary. <laughs> you know, like on a fruit uh, fruit juice carton where it has the straw on the side. You should have one with the, you know, the Bloody Mary. You should have a little cucumber in a kind of attached to the side of the can it was did you look into the celery yeah. celery sorry yeah celery. Yeah. <laughs> celery yeah yeah i don't know if i could do that <laughs> probably pushing it yeah yeah
4: <laughs> a few health and safety issues there possibly
2: <laughs> well i can't take i can't wait to taste uh your bloody mary um, i'm
4: gonna send you loads of them don't worry Oh, Uh,
2: so would your choice for the jukebox be Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division?
4: Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you what my first choice would be, because it's actually, I used to stand next to a jukebox and listen to Patti Smith because the night, because I was absolutely obsessed with Patti Smith. And I used to listen to it on this jukebox all the time. So it would be wrong of me. I had just this Teenage crush on patty Smith, and I couldn't buy the record, but they had it on this jukebox. I don't know why we couldn't get the uh seven inch, but I used to listen to Because the Night on that bloody jukebox at every opportunity I could have. So I, I gotta have patty Smith, and then it's Because the Night. Oh, that's, that's so
2: favorite. nice.
0: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
1: Hello, I'm Dave Berry, and I am fascinated by my next-door neighbour. His name is Neil Srinivasan, and he's a leading cardiologist. Since I moved to this particular part of London, Neil and I have started to become friends, Our polite greetings over the fence turned into garden barbecues and drinks down the local pub. But with unfettered access to someone with a job that is so far removed from my own, I'm desperate to find out more about his industry, one that is quite literally a matter of life and death. In Doctor Next Door, I'll be doing my utmost to learn all about Neil as a medical professional, but also Neil as a person, because, believe it or not, even doctors have lives outside of the operating theatre. But this podcast isn't just here to feed my own curiosities. I want you to be involved in these conversations too. I can't wait to get into this. So make sure you subscribe or follow Doctor Next Door from wherever you usually get your podcasts.
2: We have Patty Smith, Because the Night on the jukebox. Uh, But you have one more choice, Oliver. It's a wild card. It could be absolutely anything you like to appear in your dream pub. So what's it going to be?
1: Hmm.
4: I would probably
2: say pachin. Wow. Can you please explain what pachin is, a bit of the history of it, and how it's come into your life, and also how you how one should drink it?
4: I can tell you how not to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> pachin is, is moonshine that was uh, made in Ireland from potatoes, and it was many, many... Local villages had a couple of people making pachin because it was cheap to make uh, you could get drunk pretty quickly on it because uh, i mean i mean it 's terrible stuff in a way I mean if it was bad, it was really bad, but if it was good it was it was okay, but you needed to have a very strong constitution because it would make the roughest vodka look like uh, flat water it, it would certainly if you had anything wrong with your intestines it would definitely cure them if you had a good swig, swig on it but i quite like the idea of moonshine anyway as a thing you know i quite like the idea of illicitly making something on that on that and the sort of nature of it because i i know my parents and my grandparents are like, oh well no that's 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 johnny's that's Johnny's Punching. That's 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 the best stuff around here, and I will tell you. And uh, so there was always it always got they'd always got a go different people to get it. And you know they all I mean to be honest with you, what do I know? Do, do, I mean I was too young. But there was definitely a sense, you know, because all alcohol is about. There's a sense of veneration to it, isn't there? There has to be something about why, why people, you know. And they, of course, all the locals would have you know they'd be they'd be choosing why they had. Uh, their own I think it's a shame it's a you know that people can't just make stuff anymore like really make it not just make it under license that they can't just set up a still I'm not I'm not thinking gin Alley here or anything like that but <laughs> you know no, But the, uh... it, t-
2: it ties into your idea about I mean you said that a pub should intrigue and what better like s- selling point for your pub to have or any pub to go you know they've got they make their own pachin and it's in a special bottle and you have to drink it in out of a certain glass and you can only buy a certain amount. It's a really nice angle.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's, again, a, you know, pub to me is, pub to me is characters and character, character full, if you know what I mean. It's got to have a whole... You've got to just open that door and it's just got to be like sort of lighting up of a fairground, hasn't it, in a way, and sort of just some sort of sense of you being there. One of the things about Friends that I always liked was that idea in Friends when the doors open, there was something about it, although they all just sat there on, on the one bar. But, you know, I think there's there's so many elements that make, you know, going back to what I said is I, I, I've always said I can smell a good restaurant like I can smell a good pub. You can smell it before you've even got to the counter, can't you? You know whether something is good or not. but And that's, some, that's something you can't buy. That's something you create. That's something that the people that own and operate the business make. That's why you can smell a good place. I can smell it
2: now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah. The pub I'm smelling, bizarrely, because it's not what I go to a lot, is the Jerusalem Tavern in Farringdon, which is a very old pub. But it's that mixture of sort of wood, the grain of wood, and of good beer and not not you don't want an overwhelming smell of food that's what i hate about a pub when you walk in and you just get vinegar and tartar sauce sort of like right in the face but you do want you want a little hint of dry roasted peanut or or crisp just on the edge of that scent and a, just a, a a dash of bo or something that sort of sweat
4: that's ingrained in a pub Maybe not so much Bo, but you know what I mean. I was I was in the Eagle uh, a while back, and I, I I thought the Eagle still still got a little thing going on for the Eagle there in Farringdon. Ooh, I'm writing that down.
2: <laughs> How have I missed that?
4: Maybe I haven't. I might just not remember it. Probably. Yeah, you don't remember. It, that's fine. Yeah. You're
2: Bard. So, as someone who has run pubs bars, restaurants, whatever we want to call them, you have obviously had an awful lot of say over what does and doesn't happen within those spaces. Uh, you have the opportunity to bar one thing or one behaviour from your dream pub. So what would that be?
4: Uh, I hate bar fonts, pub uh, beer fonts.
2: As in the, the the fonts
4: which the they're written in? Yeah. Tell us more. Because you can't see the bloody bar. You can't see the bar. You've got all these... Sh- Crap signs going, you know, and they're all trying to outdo each other. It's like, it's like going into some technicolor yawn of bad stuff. If you know what I mean, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like. It's you see, a good bar, you want to be able to see everything, and when you have this slew of fonts in front of you that are competing for your attention, it takes away from the overall view of the bar, which is much more than just the fonts. And it always distresses me.
3: Where would you get the beer from in your bar, though? You'd have the pumps
4: behind you, is that? I
3: mean, no, you know? no.
4: You can still you can still have the pumps on the bar. They just have to be more discreet because you want to see you want to be able to see that.
3: Oh, I see discretion, discretion. Yes. You,
4: oh no, I'm, I'm, you have to you have to have beer fonts, But I I hate it when I can't see the back bar because I hate having to lean over and see, you know, what what vodka have they got or blah. Or, you know, it's just I think. It 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 just always annoys me when they're just sort of indiscriminately poured over the bar because it just it's just bar bad man it's bad bar management in my opinion. But are you also talking
2: about those sort of incessant signs they have in that white chalk effect writing where you you kind of you it's quite um, discombobulating to look at a place where they might have a wine list done in that chalk writing then they'll have a quote from James Joyce and then they'll have like a list of sort of quirky rules about
4: the pub, and you think, hang on, what am I I meant to be doing here? Yeah. The main thing, I don't know. I mean, sometimes if I go to a pub and I know that those white chalkboards actually change, where they're actually changing the menu or they're changing the wines, and the reason they put a chalkboard up there is because it changes, then I don't mind it. But when I go in and six months later, it's still the same, then it really offends me. uh, (laughs) You know
2: when it changes because it's written in chalk. And there are bits rubbed out and they've got different colours of chalk on there, not not just this sort of, you know, agonised over script
4: with a, a sort of a paint pen. No, this is this is the genius marketing of some people. They think, oh, we'll just have signage in chalk and then they never change them. No, you know, so they, uh, they... I think sometimes that's a bit of false advertising, that is. But I always find cluttered bars very, very annoying. I just don't like loads of clutter. I like to be able to see what The beers are what the spirits are, what else is going on because you know it's just sometimes people. I'm often with people where they can't see over the bar, so they can't see what the spirits are and the blah, whatever else is going on. So, I didn't, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't have fonts, but I just hate it when it's like you know they're like up to your eye line, so you can't even see the bar person and they're. It's a,
2: a very good, and a, it's a, certainly a first time anyone's barred that, but it's a great
3: suggestion. <laughs> it's a surprising one. It's definitely a thing in American pubs, I think. In, in American pubs, you know, when they've got all the different lagers and IPAs and the, all the handles are coming off like this. It does look very, very messy. I've definitely noticed that in American pubs. And they've got these huge like ones shaped like a big squirrel or something like that. And, you know. But
4: but good good pubs, when you walk into the bar... When you open the door and you see the bar, it, it's 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 a curation thing, even if it's or, uh, even if it's chaos, it's organized chaos. So to me, to me, when you see a see a bar, it's a piece of art. You know, a good bar should be a piece of art. Whether it's the colony room or whether it's whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Whether it's you know spit and sawdust, it's 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 a creation, isn't it? It's a bit like you know and, and and I feel when when people haven't considered that it again it says for me it just says something about the, the place but it's like a, it's a shop window isn't it the bar and there's nothing worse than
2: when you walk past a shop and you think
4: what on earth are you selling what do you sell like, I have no idea walking past what it is you do actually I've got a funny I've got a funny story from that one because I've got a funeral business called exit here and the front of the shop has got lots of very nice beautiful looking urns in there they're made by this you know we have especially made they're really really good looking things and often people think that the place is an art gallery (laughs) and they come in they come in and they go oh how much is that and we go (laughs) they're going uh we're going it's blonde they're going that's quite expensive and we said you do realise this is a funeral home and you're going really and then they just <laughs> out the door again. I
3: could tell you what they are but I'd have to kill you yeah <laughs> <laughs> hurry up please it's time
2: in your pub which is a pub of intrigue it's a pub where the back bar sparkles And it doesn't just reveal itself on the street. It reveals booths and nooks and snugs and saloon bars as you walk in. You have a very mixed clientele where all are welcome. And it's filled with the lighting up of being there. And in the pub, you have Meantime Pale Ale, Colonel Pale Ale... And you have two bottles of wine from the Rhone. You have Cornas and Condrio white wine, which is to be drunk early, but not before lunch. You've got a vodka-tini, a vodka martini, with ideally Absolute or Belvedere vodka. And you have tequila, probably a Casamigo, though you don't mind an alto. You're also listening to Because the Night by Patti Smith, your teenage crush, and Somewhere... Somewhere below the bar, there is a bottle with a paper label of pachin from a still nearby that no one really knows how strong it is. And it's rumoured you have to be on good terms with the landlord to get to try it. I'm
4: on the way there now. I'm on the way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There are no cluttered signs. There are no aggressive fonts. There are no chalkboards without chalk. But what are we going to call this pub,
4: Oliver? What's the name that you're going to christen your dream pub? No, what's the name What's the name we are going to call this pub? What is the name we are going to call this pub? Yes, what is the name we're going to call this pub? Come on. Hmm. Come on. You know the answer to that. The. The. Moon. Are you calling it the moon underwater? There you go got to be <laughs> <You> really <laughs> yeah that's
2: that's nice well you're you're allowed it yeah. <laughs> it's gonna make the podcast feed very confusing
1: <laughs>
4: no 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 sorry sorry you don't understand we're gonna be we're, we're we are going to be doing the podcast from the pub oh god i i don't know what's real and what's imagined <laughs>
2: anymore it all makes sense could we call it? Could we call it Oliver Peyton's Moon Underwater? Just to no, uh,
3: no. no. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> love it. That's good. It's kind of matter. Come on, that's, isn't a, it?
4: that's a good name. It's
2: it's the best name. It's the name of. The Dream Pub—it's a superb name. It sounds like a
4: pub as well. It sounds like it could be our sister pub in the other realm. This is what this is, and old, oh, hang on a second. This is—I mean, this is just genius. This is marketing gone crazy. So you know, it is just like you know, you're you're gonna you can have a live audience. It can be a live podcast. There's going to be they're going to be queuing up around the corner. Well, it's true. The pro- the problem is, Oliver, this pub doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> What?
2: So it's going to be a lot of refunds. <laughs>
4: it is going to exist, though. It is.
2: Oh, I cannot. I can't. If this exists, I'll, uh, there'd better be a room upstairs because I'm going to move there. Well, Oliver, it's been such a delight to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming all this way to give us your time. Uh, all we ask is that you have one song to play you out as you leave the moon underwater, to go back to the moon underwater.
4: This is a really weird choice again, but i'm going to pick this song because, and my wife hates this song, but it was the song first song that we danced to at our wedding, and i I still think it's it's a great way to leave, called "Dance Me to the End of Love" by Leonard Cohen Oh, nice
2: nice that you picked a song your wife hates for your first dance at your wedding (laughs) (laughs)
4: she she likes the tune she just thought it was too down for the first tune she thought we should have been you know she wanted some drum and bass or something i don't know know, (laughs) she really did (laughs) that's
3: great
2: as oliver payton leaves the moon underwater with the moon underwater under his arm to take with him whenever he needs it the most we will hear Dance Me to the End of Love by Leonard Cohen Thank you so much Oliver Thank you, it's time well spent Dance me to your beauty with a burning violin Dance me through the panic till I'm gathered safely in. Lift